Welcome to the One Up Sales Development Podcast, a podcast for new young sales pros, whether you're an SDR, BDR, or just another sales pro, getting it done. This one goes out to all the hustlers out there on the phone each and every day, slugging it out. Whether you're doing 100 dials, 50 plus email, it's strategic outbound prospecting on a mass scale. A few key takeaways you get from the One Up Sales Development Podcast is learning how to code call, overcoming objections, how to become friends with gatekeepers, reaching out with personalizations, tactical cadences, and many, many more. You'll also hear from other sales pros such as yourselves when it comes to their why on the career path of choice, such as becoming an account executive, customer success, sales enablement, SDR managers, and other options as well. I'm your host, Jackson Lil, former SDR and now AE, running this pod for SDRs and AE. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the show. What up, what up, what up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the One Up Sales Development Podcast. For this next guest I have for you guys is someone I've been truly, truly, truly chasing down for quite some time, and we finally, finally got him. But it's well worth it. Now, let me ask you guys a question real quick for all you SDR and BDRs listening to this pod right now. If you're an individual that wants to be an AE, you know for a fact that's what you want. You want the title. You want the experience. You want to go out and do killer demos, personalization, tailored, closing deals, making the proposal and sending on over. Let me ask you a question. What make you ever ask your, You ever stood in the mirror, look at yourself in the face and say, why do I want to be an AE? Well, if you did, then look no further. This is exactly why I call him. This individual is coming in hot. This person worked his way up throughout the ranks. He started as that typical SaaS journey. You know, he came in SDR, become a team lead, prove yourself, become an AE, rock your way up. And he is known as the AE of the year. 2019 Chili Pipers award winning. He is now a sales director over at metadata.io and that is Danny Reed. My man Danny. This guy coming in hot since from the get-go. He had the mindset right. He knew he had the skill sets and the characteristics before he was even in the AE and you'll hear that in a few moments when he shares stories about the Miami Dolphins and he was able to parlay that skills, tricks and tactics and parlay it on over to where he's at today. And wait till you hear his AU story year. Now, check this out. So, he worked for a company called G2 Crowd, right? Everyone in the sales development community is familiar with G2. G2 is pretty much uh, based on ratings, pretty much like a Yelp, a confirmed Yelp before a tech and SaaS company. Ratings, experience, and shit like that. And he, he actually worked with his company and he sold to metadata right he's he, he had a transaction that he did with metadata sales process that he did so well that well now he's working at metadata <laughs> i'm telling you man that's exactly how you do it networking within the network doing what's right and uh, more importantly getting you know, just truly knowing and just networking with people with those around you inside and out of life because you never know one day you might even work for them Dan Reed, my man, thank you again so much on behalf of the One Up Sales Development Podcast. You brought a lot of value and uh, keep in touch and 
and enjoy the episode, folks. All right. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the One Up Sales Development Podcast. For my next guest that I got for you guys today is a real special treat and honor for you guys. I've been chasing this guy for quite some time now. If you've been in the SaaS game, you probably heard of him. If you're an AE, you definitely heard of him. And if you're an AE in the SaaS game and you haven't heard of him, then uh, you're, you're probably doing something wrong. <laughs> so this guy is straight out of Chicago, coming in hot. He's been through the Jay Barrels on-site trainings. He got all the certificate. He is, uh, well, he was known as the AE of the year over at G2 Crowd, but he is now a sales director over at Metadata. Please give us a warm welcome for Danny Reed. <laughs> Thank you, Jackson. Uh, that was an amazing intro. And apologies for having to chase me for so long. It was definitely not you. Just circumstance that the job switched, a couple other things going on, but super excited to be here. And thanks for having me. Absolutely. And Danny, it's all good. No worries. We know, um, you know, things like that happen from time to time. Happens all the time, actually. But we're truly happy to have you now. And uh, welcome to the pod. <laughs> Thank you, my man. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So uh, without further ado, so Danny, why don't you go ahead and just um, kick it off. Uh, give us a brief introduction about, you know, who you are, what do you currently do, and how did you get into sales? Yeah. Um, so I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. Um, to make a long story short, I, I got done with, um, with college and I was doing an internship and I was living in Florida. And I remember going to a bar with uh, the roommate that I was living with at the time on a, just a random Friday night. And I saw a guy walking around in a cowboy hat and crutches at the busy bar we were at. And I just like stopped him for whatever reason, because I wanted to talk to him. Um, and I ended up telling him a little bit about my past, my, my education. I had majored in sport management and that was originally what I wanted to do is work in sports. And he's like, Oh, you should talk to my buddy who's an AE at the Miami dolphins. So I was like, uh, yeah, I'd love to talk to him. And, um, he connected us and, and we had a brief conversation. He liked me. So he ended up uh, introducing me to the hiring manager at the Miami dolphins. And, um, they were hiring for a few early positions in, um, their sales team. So like the NFL teams will do this, uh, this, or at least the Miami Dolphins do this hiring event where they bring in 50 people from around the U.S. to interview for one to like three open spots. And you're all doing it in person. Uh, a couple of people fly in from different states. And so I'm down there and I'm doing this and it's like a 12 hour day. So I get there and the first thing that they have you do is do like a group interview session where there's literally 10 of you around a table and one person from the executive team. That one person is asking an interview question and then everybody around the table has to answer it in a different way. And they do like four rounds of that. Um, and then they slowly kind of weed you out throughout the day based on, you know, what they liked or didn't like or, or what have you. So they like bring you all back into the group conference center and they're like, if your name is called, we're going to consider you for some of our um, part-time seasonal positions, which really means concession stands. So just sitting there like, don't call my name, please do not call my name. And they didn't, <laughs> and, you know, and then like after that we do individual interviews um, with the execs. And then at the end of the day, I think there's 10 or 12 of us left and we're at the happy hour piece. And this is after like 12 hours worth of interviewing. And um, I get a tap on the shoulder and they bring me into the back room and, and they offered me one of these roles. And um, they do this like big thing where they give you a Miami Dolphins pen and they take a picture of you signing like a real offer letter, like you're an NFL player. And then I look down and it's $10 an hour and an 8% commission. And I was oh. just like, 
I just went through all this work, like three weeks of prep leading up to that 12 hours, beat out all these people for this position. It's like the dream come true work in the NFL. And unfortunately, because it's the dream, they're able to do that and get people to agree to pay them that amount of money, which I think, you know, it would have made like 20 K. So had it been in Chicago where I could have worked for the bears or the bulls or the Cubs or something, I probably would have done it because I could have lived at home, but I couldn't relocate my life full time all the way out to Miami. So I had to say no to that. Um, and really, I had a major in sport management, so I was just mostly looking at teams for you know a uh, livable wage uh, for whatever position I could get. And I moved home after the Miami thing didn't work out, and there were no sports teams hiring for really like any position that I was qualified for. And 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 I know that this is a, an issue for a lot of younger grads right now. That if you know just because you get your bachelor's degree doesn't mean you're like guaranteed a job out of school. And in most cases you're not. So it's all about internships, all about experience you can get. So it's really difficult. Um, and so I spent about two months trying to find gigs. And um, the only thing open were like some of these, some of these uh, sales positions. Um, and I knew that my end goal at the end of the day was to start my own business. And I knew sales was probably the most fundamental skill you can get, you can acquire, or you can learn that's going to help you in that, in that aspect for selling your product, selling yourself, selling yourself to investors. Um, and so I ended up finding um, G2. Uh, but first I had actually, I had actually found Steelbrick, which was acquired by Salesforce during my interview process. And so I got halted at like the final, um, the final like, uh, interview with the COO of Steelbrick, I think two hours before they emailed me and said it was canceled because, uh, for some reason they couldn't tell me that they had been acquired, but the recruiter thankfully liked me enough and they tossed me over to G2 and I interviewed and ended up becoming their second, uh, BDR. And this was, um, end of 2015, I believe. Wow. Okay. Nice, man. I love that. Thank, thanks for sharing. That's, that's crazy. I didn't know. Um, so you really love sports definitely, but I didn't know that you went through that route for the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> yeah. You know, I actually, those, I, yeah. I really love esports. If, if, if people follow my content at all, they'll know that I post about it quite a bit. Um, and I also grew up playing traditional sports too. And obviously that industry is very mature and there's a lot of jobs and there's a lot of more things you can chase. There's some issues with it, but I originally went again to esports, but that's a whole different podcast and topic. It's very difficult to do that right now. So I did go the traditional route, tried to pursue a traditional career in sports. And that was kind of my story of, of why it, you know, it, all of it did work out at the end of the day, but a couple of the, the uh, challenges along the way. Yeah, definitely. No doubt. So Danny, I just want to, uh, Piggyback a little bit on that of your experience. So you know you went in there for the my, my, uh, the Miami Miami Dolphins, and there was like all these people, fifty people, flew from across the states to fulfill three spots. And you definitely you did it. You, you went through the process. It was like two three weeks. Um, you know, blood, sweat, and tears, and you knocked it down. And that's pretty much being the AE as of yourself. And you know, was there any lessons that you learned from that particular experience that you still use today? Uh, prep. So the, I think one of the only reasons that I was able to secure that job is because I did nothing but prep for that, um, that, that whole process for three weeks. So that included like, because I had just finished up my internship in Florida and I had to actually find a place to live for three weeks because I was waiting for the date for this to happen. And I found a family friend to go stay with for a little while. And while I was there, I was literally just like going to the pool for a couple hours and then studying. It was like nonstop, how do I 
make my resume the best possible. Like I, I looked up every course I paid for a couple of courses to make sure all that stuff was good. I went and bought like the most expensive paper at <laughs> office Depot, which is right down the road. Like I took every stop. I was, I was like trying to make sure I was the most prepared I could possibly be. And then what I think really set me over was I went and in, I went and looked at like every basic interview question and just studied like the answers of what people are looking for in those and really what my spin on those would be um, without sounding like robotic. So that was really my first introduction into how much preparation can really set you over the top um, in terms of differentiating yourself from other people. Damn. Wow. Uh, How'd you come up with that? Like, were you, did someone teach you while, uh, you know, like your parents taught you the ropes or give you these type of expectations to prep you for this? Because not a lot of people really prep for it when things come. Sometimes, honestly, I see a lot of SDR and BDRs where they just, you know, finish their course or whatever, and they're out looking for a job. They don't really prep for it. It just blasts like a spam canyon. And when it comes to interview back-to-back, um, they fail to get it because they, they fail to prep. Yeah, I don't, it might, it might be a result of just like not knowing how to prep. I think for me, I had so much time and I, I knew I really wanted the job that it was just like, I was going to seek out every piece of information I could, um, that I knew to look for. And I think sometimes people don't exactly know what to look for. Like they don't know what to prep for necessarily. So they might do a little bit of prep, but they're like not sure where to go. And then it's like, they get stuck and they just say, Oh, well, whatever, I'll go do it. Um, at least that's how I felt for, you know, I, I don't, I haven't prepped like this for every opportunity, but um, for the ones I really cared about, I do go um, kind of above and beyond. I don't think anybody really taught me that um, other than just like uh, my family taught me principles of hard work and, and this, that, and the other. But um, yeah, I think, it, I think it really just comes down to a result of how much you actually care about it. Nice, nice. Definitely love that. Yeah. Okay, so Danny, um, can you walk us through your experience uh, over at G2 real quick? Uh, we know you're not there anymore, but... You started there as a BDR. How was your experience as a BDR? And when, when was it, when, when did you got to the point where you realized and noticed and said, you know what, the AU route is for me? <laughs> um, so there was two parts to that question. What was the first part, Jackson? Yeah, it was, uh, how was your experience over there as a BDR? And when, when, was, um, when, when did it take to the point where you knew that you want to be an AE over there? Yeah. So experience was good. Um, you know, BDR jobs are obviously a grind, but I was in a unique circumstance where I was hired as the second one. And so there was a guy named Walter Mansky who was the first BDR there and he built up a lot of good resources for me to come in right away and start learning what was going on. Um, the business was transitioning quite a bit as I got there in terms of sales leadership and in terms of like different things that they were building. So it was a really cool time to be there. There was only 40 people we were in like a small office up in Highland Park, uh, Illinois. So not downtown at all. Um, and honestly, it was just like the beginning stages of figuring out how to be a, like a, like a good SDR for them, which included how do you cold call? How do you write some of these cold emails? Cause back then they were just doing like mail merges via Yesware for their reports. Cause we come out with those quarter, now they're quarterly reports before they used to just be annually. Um, and so we would just do these large campaigns out to vendors and products about, Hey, you're, you know, you're coming up in our next spring report, take a meeting with an AE to learn how you can leverage that. That was really the extent of it. So then after that, it was like, okay, how do we, how do we start to build like persona based targeting? Like we're targeting salespeople, we're targeting marketers, talking to a lot of different folks, um, building all those out. What's the value prop for each? What do we have that fulfills that? 
uh, cold calls. Uh, how do you how do you start a cold call with somebody a G two? You know, so it was a lot of those internal processes getting built out that I really had to figure out myself for the first six months, which I had no experience in tech. So it was a big learning experience of just like figuring all that stuff out. And, um, and then after about six months, sales leadership fully turned over and it was time to scale because they figured out product market fit. So then we hired like four BDRs in the span of like two weeks. And I just had to go train all of them oh, what was yeah. going on. Um, and so it was at that moment that I probably had some of the most fun I've ever had at G2 where I was an IC, but I was also not a full-on manager, but I was like kind of like the team lead, but I was also just responsible for everything on the, on the business development front. So it was like managing all these different things. And I worked for such great people that it didn't really feel like a lot of pressure or anything else. And I look back at that and, and really appreciate it. And, and really now coming full circle, I'm, I'm in my second job out of school now, taking a lot of those principles that I learned before and applying them here. And so it's been fun to reflect on that, but I, I loved it. Um, and then as my transition from BDR to AE, I had stuck in that role for a while. And um, we had hired somebody to run the business development team that had a lot of experience. Her name's Heather Reed, and she's now one of my closest friends. And um, we kind of built up the BDR team together from, it was, you know, it was just me. And then we hired like six people and then she came on board. And then from those six, I think over the next two years, we had brought it to like 40 or 50 BDRs had probably gone through that program. Um, maybe exact, it's maybe 30 to 50. I can't really remember the exact number. And uh, so it was a lot and it was, um, it was, um, it was a very fun period. I think I, I really enjoyed it. But um, anyway, so it came time to, okay, do you, I had the choice of, do you want to interview to be the full-on manager of the team? Um, and I would, I would uh, manage, I think, 10 BDRs or 8 BDRs. And so I had that choice, or I could go into full-time selling. And um, I really struggled with that decision for a solid, like, three, four months, and I didn't know what to do. And um, I now, whenever somebody asks me for career advice, I always just tell them what I did in that circumstance, which was, what's your end goal? Where do you want to be? Like, I don't ask for five year, 10 year plans or whatever, but like, what do you want to do later in life? And for me, it was own a business. So, um, the original reason I got into sales was to know how to sell. So it was like the, the, the obvious, the obvious answer was right there the all along. It just, you had to think about it the right way. Cause it, cause I was thinking like, okay, I'm, I'm pretty young and I could get management experience already. Um, and start managing a team at a very young age. So it was like, that's a really good opportunity. Why would I pass that up? But at the end of the day, like, um, and, and this is what I would tell other people that are in a similar situation is you kind of get bottlenecked. If you just manage SDR teams for, you know, five years or six years and you just do VP of biz dev and you never get the closing experience, you will have to take a step back at some point and get that closing experience if you want to keep moving up into a VP of sales, CRO, any type of ownership role. So for me, that's what decided it, which was I need this experience. This is a great opportunity to get it. And so now um, time to go the full-time selling route. And so I made that decision. Wow. Okay. Damn. I love that. Thank you for sharing, Danny. So you really start out as like the second BDR. You guys work your way up the ranks. You guys build up a team and it sounds to me like it was kind of like a, operating like a startup where you guys hired four more reps within a two week window and you guys just came in there to start knocking it down and you got your awesome friend too, Terry. Is that her name? Terry, you said? Uh, Heather. When we, yeah. yeah. Nice. And then you actually had these options too. And I really love your, the way you think and uh, think forward for the future. And like you said, it's not about what, what, it's not about like the future, what's your three-year plan, your four-year plan, your five-year plan. You're actually digging deep. You said, hey, 
you know, this is exactly what I want to do later on. I want to own a business. What are my options and what do I need? Some selling experience, closing experience. And then he actually mapped it out with the SDR manager route too. And then like, hey, if you become, if you take that route and become like a VP of this, biz dev, but no closing experience. Eventually, later on, when you open your own business, um, whatever that might be, then you have to take a step back and, uh, you know, learn, 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 learn the closing role. So nice. Kudos to you, Johnny. I love that. Thanks, man. It's my, my career path has been a result of the people around me. And I think the one thing I have done a good job of is try to get to know as many people as possible. And, and first, always try to provide value to them first. How can I help other people in other roles, but then also lean on them for advice and for things that they would do. And that's really the only reason I am where I am today. I get very fortunate that I ended up at G2 at the time that I did because that was at the same time we were just exploding and we were hiring a bunch of super talented people um, in every role around me. So um, if I do give myself credit for something, it's that I realized I was in a unique spot where I, I had a really amazing company around me growing and, and, and fulfilling a lot of great or, you know, hiring a lot of great people into good roles. Um, and just trying to make sure that I, I soaked up every moment and tried to get to know as many people as I could, knowing that that was going to be the basis of my, you know, professional network for really the rest of my career. Yeah, <clears throat> definitely. No doubt. So Dan, just before we get to the AE, the year story real quick, um, can, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what, what kind of challenges do you typically see that AEs run into, uh, you know, within those type of roles? Um, like AE challenges, just like in general, like being an AE. Yeah. Like in general, just for those who's listening, they want to go ahead and think about, you know, if they want to take the AE route, they want to go ahead and hear from you, perhaps, uh, what kind of typical challenges that typically arises as an AE? Oh, there's so many. I mean, uh, (laughs) it's, it's tough to narrow down. I think maybe the biggest one is just like, it's, it's a lot of work and it's a lot of, um, you get a lot of rejection and you get a lot of, uh, um, uh, I don't know the best way to put it, but it's just like, you need, you, you're trying to sell something to somebody and it really, uh, this like varies, like, are you selling for a startup, a big company yourself? Um, but the job is, is very tough in order to just sell somebody something you need to first earn the right to, you know, get their time to get the meeting. And then when you have the meeting, you need to ask them for more information about their role. You should come prepared to make sure that you have a fundamental understanding of their role. So you need to do the prep on that type of work in the first place. Um, and then you need to provide something of value to them, hopefully that you have for your product and convince them that it's the right fit. And just, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, problems that come up in that whole <laughs> circumstance and whatnot. Um, but yeah, if you had one in, in particular, happy to dive in, in more detail on it. Oh, no, definitely. I just want to uh, pick your brain and get your thoughts on that, given that you're an A, you were an AE yourself. And yeah, um, Danny, can you, can you walk us through just real quickly uh, about your AE of the year story? Um, how did it happen and how did you knock it down? Sure. So <clears throat> I knew Chili, so Chili Pepper is the one that um, put on the award. So the award was um, for anybody in the U.S. could apply for it. Um, they kind of announced it. I saw it the day they announced it. And then I got a message from one of my friends at G2, Aubin. And she's like, hey, you need to apply to this. And I'm going to write you a recommendation to do it. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I guess I'm going to do it then. I, I was like already considering it the day when I saw it. And then the day after, she was like, yep, you're doing this. I was like, okay. Um, and so I looked at the criteria and um, the criteria for it was like how it was really two factors. How did you, and, and this is really more about a specific deal 
than it was about like your overall quota because things get really hairy when you try to compare quotas and compare industries and all this. So it was about one deal. And then one deal, uh, there's two factors they looked at. One was teamwork. How did you incorporate teamwork into this deal? And the other was, how did you, um, I believe the criteria was, how did you provide value to the, um, to the people that, you know, bought from you in that deal. And let me just make sure I'm factually uh, accurate on that real quick. I'm pretty sure those are the two things that they looked at. Yep. Judging criteria help. So how helpful were you to the buyer? Um, you know, what did you do to make that process easier for them? And then the other was teamwork. So I thought about it and I was like, I'm, I was not in an enterprise role at the time. So uh, I didn't have that big million dollar deal with like 50 people involved that I could tell the story about. But um, so I knew I had to pick something that had a really cool story because at the end of the day, that's what always works in sales is telling stories about usually other customers or other people that are like them in a, in a situation that worked before. And, and that's something that convinces people. So I was like, okay, I need to do that for this. What is my, what is my story going to be? And then I knew right away it was actually metadata. And so for anybody listening, I now work at metadata. At the time I was at G2 and I had sold metadata. I had sold G2's product to metadata um, uh, the last year. So I wrote the, uh, I made my submission about that. And what I did was walk through the full story about how that happened. Cause it was a pretty complicated deal where not only did I sell them G2 stuff, I also got them partnered with G2 and eventually our VP of marketing at G2 bought their product. So there was a lot of layers to that. And I was like, okay, I need to figure out a way to make that my submission. And so what I did was write all of it out into a Word doc. I got testimonials from like our uh, Brittany, our, our head of partner, our old, my, you know, my old head of partnerships at G2, Goyet, who is our VP of demand gen, VP of marketing, people at Metadata, and then a couple others throughout the, throughout the, um, throughout the process. Submissions were also part of this too. You had to, you had to get, um, credibility, you know, the third party validation through it, which was somebody else submitting on your behalf that you did a good job, not just you said you did a good job. So I got like four times the amount as necessary. <laughs> and nice. I get all this stuff detailed out into a Word doc. And then I'm like, okay, this is really like hard to read with, with all the verbiage and all the quotes and all this stuff. So I reached out to one of my friends um, who is in graphic design and I had him build an entire infographic that took all of the um, quotes that I had and all of the material that I'd written for this thing and put it all into one easily digestible infographic that I ended up submitting as a PDF. And there was no like, and if you read through the rules or anything, there's no like rule about not using a PDF. There's no suggestion to use one. It was kind of just like submit it and we'll, you know, we'll, 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 uh, we'll, uh, judge what we receive. So I learned later that I was the only one that submitted something like that. Uh, nobody else like, like built anything from scratch and keep in mind, this was, you know, $10,000 award, $3,000, like team outing. It was pretty, pretty big. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> chunk of change. Um, <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to go all out. And that's, that's why I, I kind of did all that and, and, and crafted this whole thing and got it submitted. And ultimately that's what gave them the nod to say, yep, um, we're going to choose this kid. Wow. Okay. That was the price of admission right there. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> that was awesome, yeah. man. You went all in. So you, and I love it. You're right. Sell the story. I'm actually reading a book right now. It's called sell the story by Paul Smith. And yeah, story, story sells. And I, I imagine you walk them through and got the full complete solution. And it was so good. 
now you're working there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it felt like I, I did not actually want to leave G2. I was just presented with um, an opportunity oh, I really couldn't turn down. And uh, yeah, that story kind of wrote itself. So very happy to be here and, and everything else. But <laughs> the way it all shook out was like, wow, I could never have, I don't think anybody okay. could have predicted this, this book and how this, you know, this story has ended. We're just getting started. So yeah, I'm pumped up. Nice, nice. Okay, so Dan, just before we wrap this up real quick, um, two, two questions. So you're, you're a sales director now over at Meta Data. What, what's next for you? You know, I don't know. It's a really good question. Um, right now, I'm, I'm doing some side work in, in esports where I, I sit on the board of the ESTA, the Esports Trade Association. We're doing an event in Chicago in April for anybody who wants to check it out. Um, that's kind of my slow transition back into that industry, which has seen a lot of growth recently. That's where a lot of my passion lies. I did a lot of competitive gaming growing up, so I really want to work in that industry again. Um, I also still have the ambition to own my own business, although I've gotten to know a lot of entrepreneurs, and now it seems like a lot of a lot of work. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm a little I'm a, I, I, I get you know I have like the the young kid dreams of owning my own business and doing all these big things, and now it's like you see the amount of work, and at the end of the day there's like, you're going to have to sacrifice other things in your life if you want to have that level of responsibility or own a business. And you really need to have an honest conversation with yourself about what you want. So that's, that's kind of a process I'm going through right now and, and figuring out what is my long-term path and, my, and what do I want to do with my life. Um, and so I don't know what the answer is yet. And uh, I'm just excited for the opportunity I have here at Metadata as we, as we scale the business. Um, and the next step will most likely be a role in esports or it will be um, me starting my own company in some fashion, probably in esports. Um, but who nice. knows? Something else that comes up, I, you know, I'm open to anything. So we'll see what happens. Nice, nice. We love that. Thank you, Danny. And thank you again for hopping on. We truly appreciate this. Um, if there's anyone who's listening and they want to reach out to you, they want to say thank you, um, what's the best way to do that? Uh, LinkedIn, uh, shoot me a message um, is probably the easiest way. Uh, if not, my current email is danny.read at metadata.io, but LinkedIn's probably the easiest way. All right. Sounds good. Well, Danny, on behalf of the One Up Sales Dev Development Podcast, we'd like to thank you again for hopping on and uh, we truly appreciate you. Thanks, Jackson. It was fun. Awesome.